1: and Peter's show, and the continued adventures of the summer of 93 at 30. It's
2: the summer of
1: 93 at 30. This is a weekend-by-weekend weekend look at the movies released during the summer of 1993 with me for the journey, The Raps' very own Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. And fresh from being rented out by Abe to me... From Out Now with Aaron and Abe, We Live Entertainment, Variety, Ice and Blue, Aaron Earth.
2: I'm here and I'm ready to walk like a man.
1: <laughs> very much. Uh, very good. Today, uh, we're discussing four films released from the weekend that was August 13th through 15th of 1993. We are in our final month here. There will only be three more episodes after this one.
3: And, oh, uh, fuck. Something really bad's going to happen tonight. There's only three more left. So the climactic, exciting incident.
1: Oh, yeah. I got to get to the finale.
2: I I remember back in July, we introduced that gun. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. and we're recording on a friday the 13th yes if, it, if, it, if by fridays you mean may in a wednesday right <laughs> <laughs> the 10th tenth,
0: three day yeah
1: may 10th
2: as we record this
1: oh but yeah so here we are uh with a very interesting <laughs> slate of films for this week uh but first before we get into that as always the news
2: when i wake up Don't you know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who brings the news to you?
0: I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear
2: that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States.
0: That I will support and defend
1: the Constitution of the United States. So this is relevant to when we're recording, not when this releases, but on August 9th, King Albert II of Belgium was crowned. We just crowned it. Oh, one good UK, you know royalty. Good job. It fit on it fit on his head well. No, the good court
2: job. Look magical.
3: Good this job past weekend out. is the one and only time I wanted somebody to start playing Elton John's '97 remix of "Candle in the Wind" just for funsies.
1: Oh yeah, greatest hits. Charles' greatest hits. All right, on August 10th, Columbia Records releases "River of Dreams." Singer-songwriter Billy Joel, the other piano guy. His twelfth and final, unless he changes his mind, it's been thirty studio albums. <laughs> that some that some bitch is gonna announce a new album between this recording and it dropping. You watch, and I, I'll buy it. I'll be first.
2: To yeah, die. I'm be just nice. glad that you referenced him by his appropriate name, Piano Guy.
1: Piano
3: guy, <laughs> sing me sing a, a song, a piano, piano Guy. guy. <laughs> sing him a melody tomorrow.
1: Oh gosh. So uh, uh, same day, August 10th, a big day. Charlotte Ann Lopez, 16 of Vermont, was crowned. She got a crown, but it was the 11th Miss Teen USA. She did more than was born. She had to enter a contest. So there's that. Uh, And born in the right order. Born in the right order, mind you, too. That that's important. Uh, on August 10th, though, as well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was crowned, or sworn, crown? <laughs> sworn in as a U.S. Supreme Court justice.
3: I hope uh, that story had a happy ending. Yeah, Bill Condon she, shot her or something, right? Didn't
1: he? No. <laughs> she um, she went on to have a long, long
2: career.
3: Hold on. There's-
2: did Condon make that movie? Did I make that up? Who made the movie with Felicity? Uh, it was Mimi Leader. Mimi Leader. Mm. Wow, way off. where did I get Bill Condon from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I
3: don't from the know. director of the Twilight Saga. Maybe because like and the, Kinsey uh, poster, and the
2: Beast. The poster is very similar. Maybe that's my logic. There. That might be it. <laughs> um, the
1: next day, uh, Red Sox uh, Roger Clemens hey. pitches his 2,000th strikeout. He and he struck out Danny Tartable of the New York Yankees. Oh, Suck at Yankees man. fans. I don't know. Mean,
3: meanwhile, Nolan Ryan is like. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't the help the Springfield rocket. Isotopes. That's for sure. Yeah. No.
1: <laughs> I did. It was it? I had. Uh, Roger Clemens had a baseball game, didn't he? MVP baseball on Nintendo. Yes, I believe he so. had one. I believe
2: though. he did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he had a Nintendo game. Uh August 13th, the U.S. Court of Appeals rules Congress must save all emails.
3: Which most people in 1993 (laughs) said what's an email? Yeah, what's
1: an email? Should we should we save all of them? But hers, maybe we should no. Anyways. Uh uh, back to baseball on August 14th. Reggie Jackson Day. Uh the New York Yankees retired. Uh number 44. There you go. Uh, on August fifteenth, the seventy fifth PGA Championship men's golf, Inverness GC. Paul Azinger wins his first major title in a playoff with Greg Norman of Australia. Okay, crocodile the shark of golf. gets
3: beached. Your shark gets beached. Oh, that's the extent of my golf joke knowledge.
1: Smile, you son of a bitch. Paul Azinger wins. <laughs> Good good
2: timing since this episode comes out a week after the Meg 2. Yes.
1: And as Scott foreshadowed here, on August 15th, Nolan Ryan got his 324th and final victory as the Rangers beat the Indians 4-1. to
3: I was there. My dad took me. For some weird reason, I was a Nolan Ryan fan when I was a kid. Well, this is good stuff right here. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I got to see his final victory. Um it was in Cleveland
1: it wasn't at home huh
2: Well that's what uh, I thought.
3: Yeah okay
2: he
1: whooped us on our home turf. turf All right So uh deaths this week uh Ken England a screenwriter uh Jer- Jerome Thor actor and costume designer Ar- Irene Sharaf hmm. Birthday we have football soccer player Alex or Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, and I'll take. Can you guess which Step Up star was born this week in
2: 1993? Um, There's only one, the, one of two. the little the the guy the kid. Uh, uh, yeah, Sevilla. Peter Parker. And
3: Moose? Yeah, Moose.
2: Movie. No. The other one, his girlfriend in the movie. Allison Stoner, yeah. Yeah, her. I mean, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, her in the movie, his girlfriend.
1: Allison Stoner was born this week. She stepped it up. Because she was in two of them, right? At
3: she's least. In. She's two like a
1: kid in the first one, and then she's like the lead in the second, or a lead part in the second one.
3: I for, think there or are a couple in the third he, one, but Moose is barely okay. in the, is barely, you know, basically not in the fourth one. Other than no, and that's why it, it sucks. Friends. And then fifth. They're basically, you know, basically it's among the, the leads. This is the fast five of the franchise. Yep. Yes.
1: And then they kept going. I was just like, nah, I'm not interested
2: anymore. And what Did Scott's they? pointing out rightfully is that, well, there's like a Chinese one and a TV show and stuff. Oh, so right. what Scott, you're rightfully pointing out is that Adam Savini definitely should have been Peter Parker. That's just a great. <laughs> no. <laughs> that would have been amazing.
1: <laughs> Wait, oh, a, a complete with music and like, could you, yeah, like you could have done like some sort of like vibe of like Spider Verse with dance and all sorts of like, yeah, he would have been a great Peter Parker. Could have done stuff. Could have done stuff, but Jewish, alas,
2: was really gonna you know, bring it home.
1: Mm-hmm. There we go. So, um, and you know what? A lot. Some homes have clappers gardens. <laughs> some may be a secret, like our first film, *The Secret Garden*.
3: In a time long ago, an orphan discovers the secrets hidden inside a faraway castle an enchanted boy who talks to and knows the secrets of all animals. Together with her long-lost cousin, they unlock all the magic and the mysteries of the Secret Garden. Ready G. Now playing at a theater near you. In the garden, the secret garden, the children drown tonight. Oh,
2: Jesus. Like there's four in, songs the to in the garden, the secret garden. Of the title. God. Scott's like, let me make up a version.
3: <laughs> oh, no, no. You want to have fun with this? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. Have you ever, you've actually listened to the lyrics of uh, Bruce Springsteen's Secret Garden from Jerry Maguire? or former jerry mcguire well, it's him, such an obvious innuendo for getting into a girl's vagina that i have to oh. assume he wrote it when he was in kindergarten Boom. Oh. she'll let you in her car to go driving around she'll let you into the parts of herself that'll bring you down she'll let you in her heart if you got a hammer and a vice put into her secret garden don't think twice
1: this should i continue direct- this is directed by Agneska holland <laughs> Written by Francis Hodson. This is a kids movie, too. This is how we're. (laughs) It's a very good kids movie. Uh, Francis Hodson Burnett, Carolyn Thompson, starring Kate Maberly, Maggie Smith, Hayden Prowse, Andrew Knott, Laura Crossley, John Lynch, Walter Sparrow, and Irene Jacob. Executive produced by Francis Ford Coppola. One of his
2: movies of the 90s.
1: Right. A uh, young, recently orphaned girl is sent to England after living in India all of her life. Once there, she begins to explore her new, seemingly isolated surroundings and its secrets. So, I first saw this movie. I re- I don't know why. I like I remember this. I went to so there was like a, a kid in my neighborhood, and he was like my sister's age, which is like five years younger than me. But like, played basketball and stuff, and I was like new neighborhood or whatever around the time maybe but i remember i watched this at his house with like we did a double there's like a double feature like his mom invited me over like we we got some movies rented or whatever i was like and pizza so i was like okay and we watched this and teenage mutant ninja turtles Uh, three that is what a a double feature drastic decline
3: yeah oh what a I I, I, well, I, one yeah. of those films is shot by Roger Deacons, and you can probably guess which one. <laughs> yeah, so. One of those are. films, as you said, is produced by Francis Ford Coppola, and you could probably guess which one. <laughs> that one is The Turtles, which is weird. But, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, yeah. It's, I guess you it wine.
1: <laughs> oh, so yeah, uh, Maggie Smith would win a BAFTA for this movie um, and stuff. But uh, Scott, you seem to be a fanboy of the.
3: the Secret- <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, you know, as you know, she goes to her uncle's house and they have a very distant, almost cold relationship. But then she decide- discovers that she's got a secret garden where everything you want and everything you need will always stay a million miles away. <laughs> You're getting bad segues the rest of the <laughs> No, uh, I had seen this when I was a kid just because I heard it was good and it is good it's a solid solid well-staged well-structured well-acted family-friendly drama that takes itself seriously i would argue it does not talk down or patronize to its quote-unquote target kid audience um it has posh production values um it is a from what i can tell a relatively faithful adaptation to the source material in a way that doesn't shy away from some of the darker or at least more melancholy undertones of the picture um and, you know, I liked it then, and I like it now. I don't know if it's the best version of this story. I'll be honest. I have not seen them all, because I'm not, you know, this is, I saw, as I said, I saw this when I was a kid, because I heard that this specific sold. version yeah. was a very good kids film.
1: I remember this was getting, like, They This had some good uh, marketing and stuff. Like, they were really pushing it quite, like, not, a, like, there was just the vibe that it was, like, this good movie that, yeah, there was... It just had really good word of mouth and
3: marketing for and, it. And, you know, Warner Brothers had a good run this summer with better than you'd expect kids flicks. Yeah. Because this was, what, about a month after Free Willy, give or take? Yeah. Um So, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's very good. Maggie Smith is excellent. Um, is she just,
1: I, like, is she excellent or is she just Maggie Smith? Like, I just got, like, I was like, she's normally this good. Like, yeah, it's like, just...
3: Maggie Smith as herself. We yeah. Can. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um. So, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it then and now. And, you know, I could say, oh, you know, I appreciate it more now, 30 years later, blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, that almost goes without saying. It's it's the kind of quality that even in a kid's film, I feel that I, I kind of almost took, adva- took uh, for granted 30 years ago. And it's just a, you know, I'm not going to say it's a new classic or whatever, but it's just a solid, solid melodrama that happens to be – Appropriate for kids, but entertaining and thoughtful and compelling for adults too.
1: Gotcha, Aaron. Who did you tell about the Secret Garden?
2: Everyone, lots oh. of lots of people. Um,
3: who did I, you tell? It's not secret.
2: I agree with Scott um, as far as pretty much everything he said about the film. It's a good movie. Um, I had the VHS for this uh, for whatever reason, whether it was just like in a bundle of stuff like vhs releases or whatever when whatever reason i had like this was in my stack of VHSs. so i've seen this movie a number of times when i was a child and i haven't seen it in years since but certainly got a you know a rush of memories as far as the movie goes watching it again and, and being just familiar with a lot of scenes there's like a chant that the kids do or late in the film around a campfire was like this is bringing back a lot of memories right here um and just how familiar it all felt Um, obviously, now I can just be a little more discerning as far as what it's doing, and yeah, it works really well as this you know, yeah, as a melodrama, like a really well done one that's gorgeously shot. And like watching the credits, being like, oh, Deacon shot this, of course, (laughs) (laughs) no no kidding, the goat. (laughs) It just looks like incredible, like the way they're like the early scenes when they're in like what, like uh British India, whatever. They're Are phrasing.
1: they in like R.R.R. India? Is that where she's escaping at the beginning? Pretty much. Yeah.
2: At the At Right around the corner beam. She's <laughs> one of the bad guys. She's and one of the bad guys. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh yeah, no, like it just it kicks off right away with this, like this kind of visual splendor as far as this kind of film mm-hmm. goes and then just you know, if you have to envision the secret garden is like, you got to do a good job of that. And yeah, there's a good, the way it's able to balance like the beauty of a place like that within this manner, uh, while still being, you know, moody England, I I like that. It's able to do like, it's able to negotiate the kind of surroundings quite well and different differentiate between like, you know, an old Gothic house Mm -hmm. uh, versus like this magical place. Essentially the kid actors are solid. um, they're the they have, you know. You can define them by their certain qualities, but they're not done in a way that feels one dimensional. It feels like they're fleshed out characters as the time goes by. Uh, I think it knocks out the emotion that it's going for by the end, um, which I found quite affecting. Um, just top to bottom, yeah, it's a well made movie. Like it does what it needs. I have no familiarity with the story whatsoever beyond this film. I've not seen any of the other ones. But I like watching this. I liked watching it again. Uh, I'd be happy to recommend it to a family audience that wants to watch this or wants to, like, you know, stream something on Netflix or wherever the hell you can find this thing. It's like, yeah, this is a great one to check out. It's not beholden to any certain time period because it's a period piece to begin with. But in terms of just, like, how it stands up, you know, there's <laughs> there's plenty of kids films that arrive and not all of them have, you know, this base level of quality and base levels putting it mild because I think this is better than base level entertainment it's just really solid all around so yeah no Secret Garden good movie
1: yeah I, I, it's weird because like this is a uh, very different uh, kids movie than what we've had this summer uh, it's a very sophisticated <laughs> kids movie uh, but I, I think uh, d- nothing matter like even if this story was like mediocre or anything like that the production on this is so good that it elevates whatever was there to begin with. Like it, it's got, you know, it's got deacons, of course, they've got some great location scouts. uh They found some awesome places. It's w- well-performed Got costume sets. Like everything is hitting on such a high level that no matter what they were making was going to be good.
2: Like, You've got a good director on your hands. Yeah. You know, Daniel Stern, you have the director of Europa Europa. I mean, so-
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only yeah, they was-
2: had switched. She, uh, she, I'd be curious, but she knows what she's doing. Like, she, yeah. I, can, I can see, you know, it. I always confuse this one, with, sorry, but I always confuse this one with uh, Little Princess, which is Coron, right? Like, and mm. I always think of, like, I like when they, like, recruited, like, international directors that found some acclaim with their smaller films and be like, hey, why don't you do this cool kids movie? And they, like, knock it out of the park. Yeah. Because uh, that's what this feels like, too. So.
3: And Eli Roth yeah. says, yes, I will. I mean, right. yeah. yeah, he did. He did good. <laughs> As did Zack Snyder for that matter. Right? Yeah. House, of the uh, House of the Clocking yeah. Walls. Um,
1: <laughs> a movie. Yeah, that that was very like you just kind of knew. It. I was Rob like, Zombie,
3: f-. not so much.
2: Yeah. All these famous international directors.
3: Uh, <laughs>
1: but this one, like I, one thing I liked about this, is it feels honest and genuine and not trying to cater to anything but the source material. Like it doesn't like try to modern it up a little bit. It doesn't like it is of its era and it plays like I imagine this book goes. Like I I I have no doubt in my mind watching this that it's faithful to the source material. Like I I just you just get that feeling. Like it trusted it. Um, it wanted to do it it feels like it's trying to do something justice and it and it plays very well. There's good touching moments. The kid acting is outstanding, probably the best kid acting we've had all summer as a collective. Like there's no weekends with them.
2: <laughs> Take that, Thomasy
1: and Nicholas.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I will stand up for what's his name from Free Willy.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So, <laughs> what's his name? Hey. <laughs> yeah no,
2: you're you're fine jason three names that i can't remember
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to hell yeah uh it, that subscribe button <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right no this is uh this is really good i i don't have anything to say like i should have watched it with my kids i i did yeah, why didn't so, you I, <laughs> I, I, I had to i kind of had to get it in on my own time and i was like Oh well, yeah. I'll show him this at some point. Maybe I'll pick up Blu-ray or something of it. Like it's on Blu-ray, right? Is it?
2: Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it is. Should yeah. be. Yeah. So. I think put he it out actually, if I'm not mistaken. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jason it's... James Richter, that's the kid from Blue <laughs>
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, uh, two things, just random trivia that slightly amused me. Kate Maberly, who's the lead in this, she played the the blind psychic girl in the TV miniseries version of the Langoliers. Oh. Um, just like, oh I remember that as well. I I was a fan of I like the language <laughs> and, and also, can I give you one more verse from the Bruce Brigstein song? because this yeah, T- take us out, Scott. She'll let you in her house if you come knocking late at night, she'll let you in her mouth if the words you say are right. And if you pay the price, she'll let you deep inside. But there's a secret garden she hides.
1: This, is a, this has been a discussion of the children's film, the secret. <laughs> it's not on. It, oh. it
2: is, it's good.
1: if I have one knock on the movie, but kind of hilarious. The end. The end voiceover for the movie with the if you look at if you look the right way, the whole world. Is a garden. It's like, oh, that's the friends we met along the way line. Oh, yeah. The secret garden. I was like, all right. (laughs) At least we didn't go
3: like the island where there's no secret garden. And uh, Harrison Ford drove
2: off into the (laughs) woods with Sean Young. And everyone uh, (laughs) (laughs) thought it was. They lived something. None None of us
3: know how long the secret garden will last.
2: I was mistaken.
1: Who does? (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah.
1: I want my key for Southern's here. Like, who would you tell about the garden?
3: <laughs> who did you nope. tell? Only you and I knew. Who? Someone else knew.
2: Now imagine that garden was white.
0: <laughs> <It> was secret.
2: <laughs> imagine that garden was secret. Oh,
0: good.
2: oh, the Secret Garden. Will Murphy survive
1: journalism's big award? The
3: moment I joined FYI, you've been jealous of me. Freud might disagree, but believe me, there is nothing you have that I want. Murphy Brown.
1: Scott mentioned Legaleers. That was on TV, and so were these 10 shows. Oh, so, I mean, that, that'll do. Ratings. Uh, number one, it's another Newsweek here. 60 Minutes CBS. Number two, Home Improvement on ABC. People watch all summer long. Home improvement and number three is Roseanne on ABC. Like that those must be like the rerun. I doubt they're running new in the summer. People just can't get enough. Uh, uh number four, 2020 on ABC with with number five Primetime Live on ABC behind it. Number six, murder. She wrote on CBS number seven Seinfeld on NBC. Number eight, Dateline NBC, which is on yes, NBC. Number nine, coach on ABC. Like hey, ABC was like all this summer we've been going through coach, home improvement, Roseanne crushing it all summer long. They had the Um, stuff. They did. Uh, or nobody watched them through the year, and they're catching up in reruns. I don't, I don't really know. That's how it worked back then.
3: I, and, I got into the X Files the summer after its first season. Okay. I became a fan through reruns. Gotcha.
1: Was reruns a streaming service that was back then, or what, Scott? That was. Uh, <laughs> that was what he did back then? Reruns. All right. Number ten is a tie, a three-way tie oh, between boy. two nodes pro- or between forty-eight hours on CBS. Murphy Brown on CBS, and the ABC Sunday Night Movie Bull Durham. Oh,
2: fair enough. <laughs> I can approve of
3: very <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> the one,
1: the one, the one. So yeah, that's our TV shows for the week. We should be getting into some new programming towards in the next couple of weeks here, possibly with season pilot
3: season, starting. pilot season.
1: Mm-hmm. But now we will move on to. Hearts and soul
0: How come I'm the only kid I know who has invisible friends like you guys? When
3: Thomas grew up, Thomas! he put away childish things. Do me a favor. Fade out again. But now, he needs a little help. You're
0: so afraid of being hurt. You're going to end up all alone.
3: To find the place in his heart that can still believe. that I love you.
2: From the director of City Slickers, Robert Downey Jr., Heart and Souls, rated PG thirteen, starts tomorrow at theaters everywhere.
1: Directed by Ron Underwood, (laughs) the man who brought you Tremors and City Slickers and and City Slickers and And the Adventures of
2: Pluto Nash. Oh God! Ron Underwood has a career. (laughs) Yeah, but
1: but if you look, I mean, he's got a prolific TV career. Like he's been directing he Fear of the Walking Dead recently and like yep. lots of high na- high profile show. Like it's ridiculous. Evil.
2: He's directed evil. Yeah,
1: he did, like, yeah. Yeah, we I said Pluto Nash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, written by Gregory Hansen, Eric Hansen, and Brett Maddock. They're the, the Zucker Zucker and Abram. you know. <laughs> 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 Sorry, <laughs> uh, Robert Downey Jr., Charles Grodin, Alfred Woodard, Kira Sedgwick, Tom Sizemore, David Pamer, and Elizabeth Shue. An unhappy businessman... a cast! Yes, an unhappy businessman finds a new sense of purpose after he's tasked with helping a quartet of ghosts fulfill their last wishes before moving on to the afterlife. Aaron, Hearts and Souls They Fade... Fade away. So, what did you think of ours?
2: So, first up, Big Chucky Summer, another Charles Groton appearance. He's back. <laughs> and this is, first, yeah. this is the first of two David Pamer films this week. Um, so, like, fuck yeah, is what I'm saying to that right there. Pay the man. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> 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 Saturday Night himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> he got nominated for an Oscar and Billy Crystal did and was mad about it. Um <laughs>
1: chill, chill, chill Factors, David Paymer.
2: That's the reference. Um, Hearts and Souls is a movie I've never seen before, but I've always known about for whatever reason. I've seen the t- poster a lot, so I've always I've always known of its existence. And it's at this point, it's like it's weird that I haven't caught up with this movie given I like all these people in this cast. Um, so watching it now. I sir, and this is this is a big Downey year too, right? He's in the it's uh what's it's um, shortcuts is like earlier this year too, as far as like uh, later this
3: year, later. And this he had year. just gotten an Oscar nomination for Chaplin in ninety two, yep.
2: yeah. So like Down- yeah. Downey's in a good like <laughs> this. This is before he gets too excessive or at least in between stuff for him. So it's like he's in a pretty good spot yeah, as far as an actor's goes, and yeah, I have to say, like the movie, I I I. I was into the idea of okay, we're just going full high concept. Like that was cool. Mm-hmm. Like how it kicks off with this elaborate, what seemed to be like a a lot of miniature use. That it was like there's a lot of like stuff going on production wise to make this world come to life, and it gets into the story. And I didn't really know this beyond like there's going to be ghosts and they're going to like be around uh, Downey. And the trajectory I had was. I get that this is like a fantasy comedy type thing, but the plight of these people is so sad to me that I was really having a struggle early on being like, okay, cool, you got colorful characters with like Tom Sizemore as a wise guy and Alfred Woodard and whatever, but it's like, this is so
1: sad that they're like trapped It's like ghosts well, forever. It's not like they all did anything like wrong most I of know, them. Because yeah. like, normally it's like the story's like, oh, I need to write, make right what I did wrong. Like these people like... Aside from Sizemore got screwed in like an accident.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's one thing to like introduce those types of characters in their like already in that state where they and you learn about their backstory. But here we're like yeah. we're shown their circumstances beforehand. <laughs> so like I'm trying to like enjoy what's going on as far as the premise goes, but I'm like I feel so bad <laughs> for these people. Something like, feels off with the. like, and I like, this movie, so I'm waiting for Downey. It's like, when's Downey get involved? It's like it's thirty minutes in before Downey's involved in this movie. It's even and longer
1: the, before he acknowledges the ghosts. Uh, yeah,
2: so it's like by the time we get to like the meat of this premise, it's been a it's been a journey for me. Now that's not to say I'm not enjoying it or like finding like quality entertainment out of it. It just surprised me how seemingly much of a stretch um Underwood or like Alicia was given as far as letting and the writers, I guess for like letting the movie go as long as it does without having like it's marquee star for one thing and being, I don't want to say experimental, but certainly like offbeat for a studio picture. Mm-hmm. So like that was intriguing to me. And once it gets to like, you know, the, the high comedy of there's these ghosts around this guy and they make him do stuff or what have you like that stuff's fine and everything. And like the actual, emotional resolve of each of the ghost situations I do think is rather effective so like on the whole I like the movie I don't think it's necessarily amazing in the realm of like afterlife fantasy comedy movies like Defending Your Life is one of my favorite movies of all time and but this is this is certainly better than you know fucking ghost dad or heart condition (laughs) so
3: (laughs) what about heart condition
2: I, just, I said both. I said. Oh, fuck. sorry. Fuck. I'm you sorry. You cracked up. I was goes too busy down. laughing at your you, first you, joke. You, you hear me <laughs> also mentioned, you know, <laughs> the, the by default the worst Denzel Washington movie. Um. So, so yes, those yeah. two are. If those two are clearly at the bottom, this is somewhere in like a happy middle where I enjoyed the movie enough. I'd recommend it. I think it's a solid watch. It has good performances in it. Um. Like all, and I think most of this cast is actually in shortcuts too. <laughs> I'm trying to think about it. Um. But. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good it's a good little movie. It's uh w I, I don't know if it's like some kind of cult favorite, but yeah, it does the job. I enjoyed it. A movie that reminded
1: me a lot of when I was watching it was the Ghost Town, the Ricky Gervais film. Yeah, movie, the Ricky
2: Gervais film, yeah. Which
1: I, I that's a film I loved back when it came out in two thousand eight. And that, that's a nice that...
2: little that's Kemp, right? That's a David Kemp joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's yeah, a nice yeah. one of those he comes out, knocks out a movie, and then goes back to screenwriting or whatever.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice little surprise, uh, that movie. Um this movie mentions stuff like it had a huge presence at the Saturn Awards that year.
2: Oh, like, yeah! Downey, Downey Jr. It, right?
1: won, but like every actor was nominated. Uh it was nominated for best director, writing, fantasy film, music effect. Like it was just like any category, it was nominated in. Um, but like I, I, I think it's fine. But I feel like it's this movie that has all these toys. And not enough time to play with them, or not know how to give them each time, and it's sort of like struggles with the balance of this cast. I I do think that Robert Downey Jr. gets to shine a bit. He's good. Uh, Sizemore, really Can good sing. in this movie. Huh?
0: <laughs> Can but, sing. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then David Paymore's is quite good in this too for uh doing his thing. But like I feel like Groden's a bit underused. And like against w-
2: type. Yeah,
1: All right. Sedgwick's got like a thankless little part uh, and Woodard's not done much more of a favor either uh, and yeah, but there was a Grodin had a funny, like there's one who was like I didn't know you know how to drive and he goes well, I'll take a shot at it because <laughs> he <like, laughs> offers to drive something. but um, also has that kind of Scott Mendelson thing where you don't believe that a man would hesitate that much to be in a deeper relationship with Elizabeth Shue <laughs> the problem with that um but it's it's got like goofy things like where you think it can go goofy and it doesn't get it a lot of its sentimentalness and goofiness quite right because like yeah. i'm bothered by some of these situations where it's like yeah alfrey Woodard, you suck you went to work mom like <laughs> like i feel like bad like her character and kira sedgwick like i'm trying to make a living for myself fucking come back to my hometown hussy like what are you doing like like I, it feels like some of these setups are like that's not cool like rodin has got it probably like the only one that's like all right that's something and then sizemore's tr- like the thief with a heart of gold I, there is a, i i th- think like i think sizemore's character is possibly the best written of the ghost because there's the is. part where he's like no like i died here like i dieth i'm i'm a bad person like that's that's who I am. I am. I don't exist anymore. So the last thing I was was a bad person. That's who I was. Like, and a, there's a really good speech there, um, well written that he gives. But there's something's like it, it's fine. It's fun to watch all these people in this movie. But it, it there's like a balance
2: that it doesn't. You have so many have. people thrown at you. Like you do yeah. two ghosts <laughs> or, or so. Like it, it just had. I wouldn't
1: I, add it, any more runtime. I would just get to the Downey Junior quicker. That yeah, and that let for the sure movie be that. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't need or maybe have the strangers on the bus to start the crash and then like throughout, the, intermax, movie, so, throughout yeah. the movie, throughout the movie, find out who these people were. Um, but or maybe through his life, he helps each one one at a time through segments and do it like that at different stages in his life. I don't know how to do it, but this wasn't quite as successful but
2: you're you're not wrong about the balance of like goofiness and sentimentality like i feel like the movie that nails this better honestly is liar liar that's a movie that goes full tilt goofy but even as cheesy or saccharine as it may be i do think it lands the stuff where he wants to be if he genuinely wants to be with his child yeah it it, it doesn't throw that away but you can still have a ridiculous scene of jim carrey in a boardroom making everybody crack up or whatever this movie also has a boardroom scene where where Johnny Jr. like runs wild, but the way it's handled, it's like this guy would be fired and committed to an insane asylum. If oh, he, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That played uh, a little better when I was 13.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> Which I you know this high concept, wholesome kind of comedy movie, but it feels a bit scatterbrained and unfocused in, mm-hmm. in areas. So like yeah, I I I don't know. Scott, did you
3: seen this before? Because I, I didn't yes I had seen this in theaters on I think opening weekend and I oh, wow. remember Really, really liking it. To me, it always stood out as sort of the prototypical Robert Downey Jr. star vehicle in terms of what he does great, Mm -hmm. what he does well, even when he's not playing a marquee character or a famous person or in something that is more awards friendly. And I say that with zero criticism or here he is just playing a regular guy. Who's just because he's Downey Jr. He's incredibly sympathetic and, and nuanced just to his eyes. Um And I, I've said this before. I think one of the things that Downey Jr. is so good at is that he can make exposition sound like character development. Yeah. yeah. And that's part of why he, what he brings to the MCU, frankly, not to get, make everything about that. But I think, you know, I think he was, mo- you know, I don't want to say he was underrated in that franchise, because that's ridiculous, but you know, he did elevate every part of that franchise in which he participated in. But that was, you know, 15 years earlier or later. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, watching it again for this, you know, first time in 30 years, the film, the meat of the film where Downey Jr. interacts with these people and helps them right the wrongs in their life is only like the last half of the film, if that. So it's kind of shocking how once you get to the thing that you came to see, it feels like the movie's almost over. And because of that, they solve each of their problems very quickly. And whether it's just cutting down on the opening stuff or just making the movie longer, I do think it would behoove the picture of I mean you know whatever what's done is done. just you know, just spread out that second and third portion of the story. Um and yeah, you' you are right that it it almost takes its drama too seriously. You know, it almost respects the tragedy of its premise too much, because you're, you know, you're right. I mean, it's. I, I do think I will defend the film in the sense that I think the lessons that at least uh, Woodard and and Cedric are learning is that they weren't doing the wrong thing when they died. That so, I, I don't think the film's trying to punish them for you know working at night or you know potentially you know quitting a job that she didn't want to be with a boyfriend you know it it it's it's and you know obviously what they learn is that you know the world moved on and everybody they cared about was fine and you know that's okay but i do think yeah this is a film that works as well as it does because of downey jr's star performance and to me this captures the epitome of why he was so appealing You know, in the 80s and 90s, and obviously onward through the MCU, before he became part of the MCU, and why when he was going through his issues, there were a lot of people in and outside the industry that were rooting for him, because he was a unique and individual star presence. And one thing I do like about his work here is that he's playing a pretty nice guy. I mean, he's got issues, but he's not playing a dick. He's not playing you know, a selfish corporate tycoon that has to get in touch with his childhood and become a better person. You know, yeah, uh, he's, just, he's
2: just a little depressed. Like, that's really his. Yeah, character.
3: right. Yeah.
1: What do, we, what do and, we think of it? What do we think of as Alfre Woodard?
3: Well, she's always good. I mean, so it's just. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Downey Jr.'s Alfrey
2: Woodard.
1: Downey Jr.'s Alfrey
2: Woodard.
3: Oh, I, as in the first time he played a black character. Yeah, <laughs> the first of, yeah, at least two it's fine it works in the nature of the movie i mean it's obvious that that character is giving him blessing to do that
0: yeah right. um, yeah
2: it's it's a non-troversy yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. no it, it's a it's a fun it's a fun little scene but also i mean when the movie really clicks with all of them together it does like it it, it manages to find that energy like you know there's a little sing-along they do down the street with walk like a man and like mm-hmm. Honestly, it works. Like it fits within the scheme of things that I appreciated. Like I I wish that the film just knew how to do that for the duration. But yes, I do think ultimately, like you said, Scott, like you've alluded to Brandon, like it comes down to having so much time spent at that beginning chunk. Yeah. Robs the movie, I think, of having more fun with the premise it's trying to get to. And if you know if that's not the worst thing in the world as far as this movie's concerned, because the movie's ultimately still good. But you can see where it could be better. But maybe they just felt too bad because they spent so much money on the miniatures and the opening camera <laughs> shot. <laughs> like, we can't lose this, guys. We need this.
1: Right. Well, there's too much time um, spent with him as a child, too, when growing up yeah. and stuff. like
3: that's um, In a skewed, insane way, it reminded me of the butterfly effect where you don't meet your top-built star until the first half hour of the film. I um, mean, it really does spend a lot of time with the younger version of that character, uh, and that's neither criticism or compliment. I actually like that movie. I know Aaron doesn't, but he's wrong, and that's okay. I mean, I, um,
2: don't, I don't just dislike the movie. I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> well, awful. then you're really wrong, and that's wow, but that's okay. okay. I think it's an ugly
3: movie. (laughs) It kind of is, yeah, yeah, and whatever. Very ugly movie. Um, Coacher is fine. The fact that I am, you know, "quote unquote," defending hearts and souls. I mean, yeah, I did not enjoy it as much as I did when I saw it when I was thirteen. But it's it's a three star movie that I I I remain fond of. And when you know someone wants to point to a prototypical Downey Junior performance, this is why he was. I wouldn't say he was a star because he was never a butts and seats draw, but he was, you know, a unique screen presence that we liked seeing and stuff. This is the performance that I tend to think of. He calls this one of his favorite performances. Yeah. I'm sorry? He calls this Wait. one of his favorite oh, yeah. performances. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: This kind of you know, this kind of shows him off in a bit of a range, too, that I that I like. That he's got a few a few movies that do this. Um he's got the one uh with uh, Heather Graham and Natasha Wagner with the two guys uh, and a two, girl. Two guys and a girl, which was uh, hurry up and shoot it before I two, go. Two to... girls and
2: a guy. Two <laughs> girls
1: and a guy. Uh, yeah,
2: we're... one has a pizza place, one has Robert Downey Jr. Exactly.
1: <laughs> were they him and a friend directly. They like shot it, like they wrote it and shot it to be over a weekend to get have him something while he was in rehab or yeah or in jail or something to to do. And and that movie has a lot of his like range, like this, like naturally and he's natural at it too. It doesn't feel like it's yeah. like some showcase that you're doing, but this one allows him to, you know, be serious, have fun, you know, have some like you know, romantic lead type things, like also all sorts of stuff here within I mean, this There's
2: one costume. Like you know, there's nothing required beyond he just has to act.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And he's always he's been he's one of my favorites uh of all time. You now pre Iron Man. Uh so I I'll I'll
2: gatekeep there with that. But uh because <laughs> so, I didn't grow yeah. up with like the brat pack stuff yeah. and everything. So like I only came to Downey Jr. Like it's weird to think that is US Marshals like the first movie I know Robert did? it's not, it's probably weird science, mm-hmm. but I mean, but still like I didn't like grow up I'm, you know, being slightly younger, I didn't I just didn't have Downey Jr. as like this guy I was aware of too much beyond like, yeah, I yeah. recognize him until like two thousand, you know, beyond like like Ally McBeal and stuff like when he starts like popping up and then he's more in the news a bit. And then, yeah, 2000s when he starts getting this kind of rehabilitation going as far as starring and stuff and like, you know, kiss, kiss, bang, bang happens and like random other movies before, obviously the big breakout stuff. It's like, this guy's clearly great as far as Mm -hmm. like, you know, being a, a, a person that knows how to use his screen presence well. And yeah, this is, you know, seeing hearts and souls now for the first time. It's like, yeah, I get it. I get why, I, I get where that comes from as far as why people would want to like watch this guy on screen, regardless of like the roles he's doing, because he has an interesting presence that's unique to itself.
1: But no, yeah, this is, a, I thought, like, I, I guess I'm the lowest on it of the three of us, but I still thought it was quite, it was
2: fine. Like, uh, okay, I give it like a three stars out of five. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's fine. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably
1: yeah. wrong way to do. But yeah, so yeah, hearts and souls. That's, uh, a uh, tough one to find i mean i think it's, it's on dvd if you can find it but uh there's no blu-ray and it's not streaming anywhere currently but uh, if you check it out check it out
0: Casey's biggest
1: but now we move on to casey Kasem's uh the top 10 from his top 40 for this week we have uh number one can't help falling in love by ub40 number two won't there it is. Thank you. Uh, by Tag Team. Number three, Week by SOBB. Number four, I'm going to be 500 Miles by The Proclaimers. Number five, number five, Slam. Uh, uh Onyx. And number six, Lately by Jodeci. Number seven, If I Had No Loot by Tony. 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 Tony? Uh, all right. And number eight, we have a debut in the top. We have a debut in the top ten. Runaway Train. By Soul Asylum. Okay. Call, call <laughs> kids the everywhere.
3: Eight. We're rocking out at the nightclub to a song about runaway children.
1: Yeah. So if you if you uh see any of the kids in that music video, please call. Um,
3: no, nine. I'm just an
1: actor. <laughs> number nine, Tina Turner's "I Don't Want to Fight," and Janet Jackson returns to the top ten with "If."
2: Can't stop, won't stop.
1: Can't stop, won't stop, and you know who didn't stop? Bobby Fisher.
2: That's Actually, right. He did. He, uh, did. So he, got, a, he got a dropped did.
0: off. <laughs> that it
1: uh, right. So our next film is searching for Bobby Fisher. I'm
0: playing chess. My dad. This is the movie. It's a game like Monopoly.
3: Every parent should see. My son has a gift. Every kid should share. Want to play? And everybody is talking about. One of the best movies so far this year. Powerful. Inspirational. Ooh. Two very enthusiastic thumbs up. A movie every American family should see. Searching for Bobby Fischer. Now playing at select theaters.
1: A.K.A. Kids Gambit. uh, Directed by Steve (laughs) Zalian. A.K.A. What? Kids Gambit. Awesome. (laughs) Go for it. All right. uh, Directed by Steve (laughs) Zalian. You got jokes. I did. (laughs) I've been saving that one for a whole week. Uh, that making me laugh. (laughs) uh, Written by Steve. Steve Azalean and Fred Whiteskin. Starring Joe Mantegna, Ben Kingsley, Max Palmerank, Joan Allen, Lawrence Fishburne, David Paymer! (laughs) (laughs) One week, two movies, back-to-back, double feature, summer 93 at 30, bringing the pay Mur. All right. Robert Stevens, William H. Macy, Dan Hidea, Laura Linney. She's back. Yeah. Remember her from Dave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always Linney in the summer. Uh, Anthony Heald and Tony Shaloub. Everybody's monking around. Uh, a prepubescent chess prodigy is encouraged to harden himself in order to become a champion like the famous but unlikable Bobby Fischer without any alcohol or anything like that. Uh, and hopefully
3: less anti-Semitism.
1: Right. So here we are uh, searching for Bobby Fisher, a movie that I was like, ah, okay. Remember, I was like, oh, I, I was thinking Little Man Tate. I was like, is it the Jodie Foster and the kid movie? Is like, no searching for i'm like oh, okay different movie my like, huh i was like i remember hearing about that whatever and i start watching this i'm like oh i fucking saw this movie i watched this back then it, like all came back to me i was like i was like locked away somewhere that i had actually watched this movie but i yeah I, so i had so scott search search us bobby fisher Googling. This movie fucking Googling, rocks. Googling Bobby Fisher.
3: <laughs> I saw this when you know when it came out Thinking on either Bobby <laughs> video or HBO or whatever. And it was awesome. Uh, even then. I mean, even though you know, ironically, there's tons of actors that I wouldn't recognize because I was too young and, and they maybe they hadn't broken out yet. But so of course, rewatching is like it's Tony Chalou, it's William H. Macy, it's David Baber, it's you know, he goes Allen. by Lawrence now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's that guy from Pee Wee's Playhouse. But no, this is such a good movie. It is. It is obviously it's well written, it's well directed, it's well staged. It has a, you know, it's a twelve million dollar movie that actually back when that was, you know, enough. It feels like a full lived in motion picture. It is filled with intelligent and generally good people that are struggling to not give in to certain tropes that come about by virtue of the situation they're in. And I know that sounds very generic, but, you know, I mean, you know, Joe Mantegna is wonderful. It's a guy that's just trying so hard not to be a sports dad, but still kind of sort of ends up like being a sports dad. But, and it is also one of those movies where it understands that the emotional value in good, good things happening to good people and, good people making surprisingly good choices obviously i saw this film first and there's you know there are some slight similarities but it also remind me how much i enjoyed Aquila and the beast you know about a decade later mm-hmm. um starring lawrence Fisher. yes i'm assuming this is a prequel um mm-hmm. and so yeah uh, uh uh you know max pomerank is another terrific child performance um, apparently there were a lot of those this summer if it wasn't Rookie of the Year um, or Hocus Pocus for that matter because once again, fuck that movie or Last Action Hero, fuck Jesus, I guess we're 50-50, never mind well, Uh um, is the problem with Hocus Pocus though <laughs> <I> mean, <it's-> <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's such a rich, nuanced and thoughtful and intelligent movie that it's one of those films that, yes, yes, it's a drama but it's it's thoughtfulness, and it becomes exciting just by virtue of its quality, as silly as that sounds. And re-watching it for the first time in, you know, 30 years, give or take, it's like, shit, this may be my favorite, you know, other than maybe, you know, some of the, you know, In the Line of Fire or maybe The Fugitive, this may be my favorite movie of the summer. <laughs> um, and it it hasn't aged a day. Uh, you know, the, there are just so many wonderful scenes of... Montaigne and and Fishburne and, and Kingsley just interacting with each other in interesting ways and having thoughtful and nuanced conversations, and it has. I always love a good sports movie that has a really creative ending, whether that's Tin Cup, whether that's Aquila and the Bee, and this is another one where you have an ending that you know it's a lot. You know whether or not the protagonist wins or loses is absolutely beside the point. And I don't even mean that in terms of, oh, they have to go to the distance or something like Rocky. Obviously, that's fine. Um, but, you know, the specific choice that they make and the way that that choice is seen and 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 comprehended by the supporting characters who know exactly what he's doing and why. And it's just – it's a thrilling fucking movie, and I love it very much.
1: Aaron?
2: I mean, it's a shame Steve alien had such a shitty year. Yeah. I mean,
3: <laughs> just-
2: <laughs> That movie. He
3: never wrote anything good ever again.
2: Um, this is one of the best movies of the summer. I agree with Scott. I, it's a very good film. I didn't catch up with it until the pandemic. Honestly, like for some reason, hmm. um, way back I had always known about this movie, and I originally thought it was like a biopic about Bobby Fisher. Um, before realizing, like, oh, it's like a child movie about chess. Also, um, it's a true story, though. Too. But not- I know, yeah. I know. But even then, it's just you know, it's called Search of Robbie Fisher. And as a child, I'm not thinking, oh, this is definitely not about Bobby Fisher. But regardless, I just for whatever reason I never got around to like renting it, so I never like saw it, and then we, it just it faded away as far as me and my opportunities to see it. And so finally, um, I was able to catch up with it, and yeah, it's a movie that has been held in high regard by you know plenty of people. It got two, it has one of those two very enthusiastic thumbs up labels on the poster. <laughs> yeah, um, it's always a good sign. It's always like, oh, we both give it over three and a half stars or something. Uh, but like. Yeah, it's exactly what Scott has said as far as it's a well-acted, well-staged uh piece of sports film, like whatever you want to call it as far as the genre. Like it just it does the job. Great actors all around. Something I'm very aware of with myself as far as these movies go. I really like um, you know, I like sports movies. I like non-athletic sports movies quite a bit. Those tend to like hit me in the right place for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Just a couple years ago, John Leguizamo's directorial debut, Critical Thinking, another chess movie. I think. Is oh awesome. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I really like that movie, and I've seen other chess movies specifically, not just you know Queens Gambit to, to be cool, but like just chess stuff in general. Uh, that's a good show. I'm not making fun of it, but like, I think there's something about the idea of intelligence being used as a you know a competitive device in this manner for like with children specifically i something about that works for me and i think it works for audiences in general that sort of keep making chess movies and spelling bee movies and things like that there's something there that i, I don't know how to describe that exactly but i find that to be a very interesting way to create cinema because if you're making a movie about chess or a spelling bee or an academic decathlon or what have you you have to, as a filmmaker, you have to figure out how to make that cinematic. And you can't always just have CG chess pieces on the ceiling to like <laughs> you know, illuminate what's going on in somebody's mind. You have to find ways to like highlight that. And this is a movie about a kid that needs to learn how to not just think five moves ahead, but really think like 20 moves ahead. And that's really cool. <laughs> like, that's really cool to like say, here. I want to make a movie about this topic and find a way to successfully do that. And Zalian does. He gets the right people, for sure. It's a well-shot movie. It got nominated for cinematography, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it uh, has a great cast, including yeah, Joe Mantegna and making a small mammoth reunion with William H. Macy as Tuna Melt Sandwich Dad. Um, <laughs> I, and it's like, I believe, around the same time they're making Homicide, the movie, not mm. the movie show. So it's like, oh, these guys can't stay away from each other. Um uh, <laughs> But yeah, just this cast throughout. I I love the idea of having Ben Kingsley as like the you know the the more academic chess player versus the streetwise Lawrence Fishburne, and, and flip those roles around because that'd just be fun too. Um, just nonstop great stuff from like everybody involved here. I th- I think this movie is very compelling as a. A journey for like yeah this child but also just seeing the progress of where this takes all of them into tournaments it would have you and like like Scott said as far as the climax goes I do think it like builds in the appropriate ways Um, yeah I mean yeah as far as like family friendly movies go this is a fucking great week <laughs> Like this yeah, is the oh, oh, oh. yeah. That next and movie. there's still one more left
3: yeah <laughs> 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 sorry <laughs> uh it
2: involves a baby um so
1: you guys it's got a
2: in the right place is what i say <laughs> oh jesus <laughs>
1: oh yum anyway um yeah, you guys ever see computer chess since everyone's yes. talking about computer yeah. that's a good that's a good one too yeah um I don't have. I can't add much more on top of what you guys have already said about this movie. Um, other than like, I wanted more Lawrence Fishburne in it. Like, I yeah. love his angle, and I wish. I know it's a true story, but I'm like, man, it'd been cool if he'd have been like against the grain from like the ritzy people type chess, and he was with Lawrence Fishburne. It was about them overcoming. Just watch fresh, fastest one. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs>
1: so I, I, I was seeing this other version of of this you know, underdog story and like all, all that stuff. But like, you know, the kid acting works like you, you could, i you could have incidentally wound up with like something like the wizard with this kid and trying to portray him and perform him. Where it was like, California could have been that shit does not happen. Joe Montana. We don't, I don't think we give him credit for range because like, he's usually you, you, feel like he's stereotypical, but here he's like the most like you want to like, man, what a cool dad or like, you know, he's really endearing here. Like, I I'm like, I I watch it. I'm like, I think he's a good actor, but like he's always feels like Joe Montana here. But like he is Joe Montana in a whole nother dimension. And like I'm like, he's got like abilities. I don't think I think maybe get overlooked because of what a presence he is.
2: I don't disagree with you because I I really do like Joe Mantegna. Um, It's somewhat like from childhood because of like he's Fat Tony and he's also in Baby's Day Out, which is a hilarious performance. But also I very much know him from I really like the Mammoth stuff. So like I, Mm -hmm. I do think like he has he offers so much. Like, knowing how to do that kind of dialogue and yet still present a very specific kind of presence, mm-hmm. I think, like, works really well. And, yes, then seeing him be go beyond those roles. And like, him like and Kingsley, place. like, every time they're yeah.
1: together, it's, like, compelling shit. Like, it mm-hmm. is just, like, right there. And and then and, just... and,
2: and, and, and Scott, you, of course, knows, Mantegna, of, like, delving into, like, the bowels of victims or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's, you know, he's an <laughs>
3: elevating presence in that show. And to be yeah. fair to think, you know, the extent that he may be, you know, underrated in 2023, it's just because he has been mostly doing the Simpsons and Criminal Minds for 30 years. Because, you know, you, when you're a regular on a TV show, especially a network show back in the, you know, pre-streaming, blah, 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 you know, you get rich. <laughs> so you could just and do that. And anything, you work, a, you work else like a you nine wanna... to five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And he's, a, and, he, he's, he's a theater guy. Like, that's yeah. the other a lot, he's done a lot of stage. Yeah. And so you know, yeah, exactly. So for your free time, he doesn't have to do a movie if he doesn't want to do a movie. He can do a show that nobody gets paid for.
2: He likes to act. Like again, he's a theater. So like doing a movie means I get to sit around for a long time, act for five minutes, and then not do anything for a long time. Doing a TV show, yeah, you get you get more stuff to do, and you get rich off of it. And then doing stage plays, you get to act a lot. And then here's a movie where he gets to act a lot,
3: and it's great. Yeah. And it's it's. Yeah, it's a lovely performance. I had only recently finally caught up with Homicide just a few months ago. I mean, mm-hmm. I always knew it existed and I wanted to see it. It just, you know, was a blind spot.
2: One of the top three Jewish cop movies, let me tell you. That's
3: yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, does Hollywood Homicide count? Because Harrison Ford's Jewish.
2: The quarter Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. Not too shabby. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's
3: the lyric. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, no, it's. Just good stuff all around. Uh Swarmy Anthony Hill, though always enjoyable. Um, I, I like the way the, the father is where it, it, normally it's the mother having this kind of role uh where Matanya plays, and they do it they do it in a, a a way that you appreciate both sides of the equation between the mother and father with uh fighting for the son to have this. To be able to explore and do this um chess thing
2: that mm-hmm. i was trying to get him to do um joan allen's very good in this too oh I she guess. is yeah yeah and uh, any scene where like even as much as we all like laura linney watching joe mantenga tell her off as far as why his child can play chess and she needs to go right. go away and stop saying what she's saying that's a great
1: scene <laughs> that's one yes I, I, and i they did you so well like I, I you know you just want him to whoop that kid's ass <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not like a super villainous kid but you're like pick his ass
3: <laughs> do it he's like, better than that he's better than us
1: he is better than us but yeah, but no, yeah oh yeah this is a this rocks out. this is this is good um Kids, adult entertainment, like because a kid can watch this, enjoy it just as much. An adult probably watch this. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, yeah, they do watch this, but this is like an adult movie that a kid could be like stuck with his parent watching and go, "You oh, know well, That was pretty good, Dad." Or, yeah, it's or, just a
2: good like. There's no, there's no reason for it to have content that would exceed beyond a PG rating, so it's PG by default, but right? It's,
3: I don't but, think yeah. there's any profanity at all.
2: I couldn't even. It's PG, so yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not but the story doesn't require it or like lean into anything that it doesn't need to. It's very much pure. It's about smart people who play chess <laughs> like, you know? yeah. and Bobby Fisher's not in it. But if it was Bobby Fisher's in yeah. it, that'd be already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <That'd be R-ing. laughs>
1: well, there was a scene where he said check fucking mate at the yeah. end. And I was like,
2: Whoa. But... Which that's, that's... It's weird that Edwards Zwick cut that scene into pond sacrifice. That, that was. A... <laughs> that was
3: also... Yeah. Um, and one just silly detail that you know Ben Kingsley's character just looks cool okay. in a way that is very compelling. Listeners, <laughs> this, I mean, this is
2: the idea of cool for Scott Meddison. Yeah, like well, mean, Ben Kingsley ben is, is for- <laughs> like you, you have He was yeah. my Fonzie. <laughs> <laughs> I like, got yeah, Lord Fitzgerald over here. was like the coolest guy on the streets playing Chess but <laughs> Ben Kingsley Ben Kingsley
3: makes- well, like, looks like a comic book supervillain.
2: Notable badass Ben Kingsley outtakes from sneakers over here is walking into (laughs) searching Bobby (laughs) Fisher. Oh, Oh, that's good.
1: But yeah, so uh, from you know someone else who was searching for Bobby Fisher that summer was our friend Yancy. See, comes back to where he has found some more tales from the video store. Let's see him then. Huh? These clankers of yours, let's see what you got.
2: I'm not a homo, Keith. Gonna leap across the table at you. I just want to make sure that you got what it takes. They asked me to recommend somebody for the management trainee program before I go. So you decide.
1: Wait, 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 wait. Show me
2: your balls.
1: So this is not my story personally, but one of my uh, friends, he worked at Blockbuster Video. And so growing up in Fort Wayne, a big movie was shot there at the time called In the Company of Men by Neil LaBoot. It starred Aaron Eckhart. It was, I think it won Sundance, maybe something like that. But it was a big deal shot in Fort Wayne. Oh, my gosh. Uh, And so Neil LaBoot lived around Fort Wayne for a while, um, even after the success. And he would come into Blockbuster Video all the time, and my friend said he was the most annoying dude there. Um, that's he would come up and he'd be like, "Can I get your car Blockbuster card, please?" He goes, "Come on, man." He's like, "No, I need, I, I need." You. He's like, "You know who I am?" He's like, "Yeah." Oh, and, I, and I need to scan your card because that's how <laughs> we get it in the computer. But he said one time. Uh, in like one of those pages where uh, in Entertainment Weekly, where they'd have like multiple pictures of like premieres with little captions, he was in yeah, one. Yeah. He was in one of them. Came in the day the magazine went on the rack and just stood around the store for hours, hoping for someone to like pick it up and be like, "Wow!" And he did that. And he's like, he was just a nuisance inside the blockbuster there. And now our feature presentation. Jason goes to hell The final Friday Uh, Was it the final Friday, Brandon? It was the final Friday Final Friday
3: Horror has many faces But pure evil wears only one And this is your final chance To see it Goes to hell. The final Friday. Rated R starts Friday, August 13th at a theater near you.
1: Directed by Adam Marcus, who this is what he got because my boyfriend's back said we need
3: Balaban. <laughs> he also Yeah, he was it. they dumped him as a director because he was a first time director. He hadn't directed mm-hmm. anything before.
1: So here, take Jason. Uh written by Adam Marcus, Jay Hugely, and Dean Laurie, and starring John D. LeMay. Kerry Keegan, Stephen Williams, Aaron Gray, Stephen Culp, Rusty Schwimmer, Richard Gant, Leslie Jordan, Billy Greenbush, Kip Marcus, Allison Smith, Julie Michaels, and Kane Hodder as Jason. Uh, Serial killer Jason Voorhees. Supernatural origins are revealed. Now, Scott, here's the craziest thing. So we did, in the summer of 82 of 40, we did Friday the 13th, part 3 in 3D where Jason got his mask. So Jason's back for another one of these series. There was one Friday the 13th film in the 1990s and we just happened to jump here and <laughs> be the year that it happened. So Jason gets to be a part of both. Uh Jason goes to New Line Cinemas. So this is where the rights start getting all sorts of fucked up because New Line
3: start getting wrong.
1: Yeah, the New Line bought Jason, not Friday the Thirteenth. They don't use the title Friday the Thirteenth, and this was attempt for New Line to do Jason and Freddy together in a movie. But they get the, they get this happen. to Wes Craven comes in is like, "Hey, I'd like to come back. I have a new idea for Freddy. I know you guys killed him last last time, uh, but so Jason now is like, well, we need to make a movie with him." Here we are uh, with Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday. Um, this being, this was the first new for me Friday the Thirteenth movie. As I was old enough to watch horror, I'd watched all of them. This was the the newest one, and this is a this is quite a in the fan community horror community. This is quite a despised one, um, though I think for some dumb reasons. But basically, that's not your traditional Friday the Thirteenth. It's Jason meets the Hidden. Uh, there's a body of much, uh, which was a new line movie as well. But uh, this is a body swap. And Jason's heart gets transferred from place to place. Only the the uh, boy he's uh, shall he enter? Boy, he's how he lived. And there's a dagger which Jason has relatives now in this movie. He's got this grand mythology that appears in this one. But fuck it, canon, whatever. You know who cares? I, I I've always you know. This can play as an anthology thing. Take his ass, Duke. Duke is yeah, Creighton, Creighton Duke rules. Like, this yes. is a, <laughs> such a fun factor to this movie. This is very gory. Um, it has some really good gore. It has my the unrated version of this movie is my favorite kill in all of Friday the 13th, which would be the, the couple having sex in the tent, and Jason spears the woman in half, which freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> like I think I'd been I assume a there's a lot
3: more in the unrated cut. Well, if you watch the that cast,
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. If you watch okay. the rated cut, it fades as he's heading to the to the tent, but
3: yeah, so they did not plan ahead, so I had to settle for the R-rated cut.
1: Oh, there you go. Uh but this movie, it's silly as fuck. It's something different. It's got Terminator vibes to it. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people complain didn't have Jason. I'm like there are this is this is the ninth film you had the entire 80s you had eight or seven if you would take out Manhattan traditional Friday fuck them for trying to do something crazy and different I'm all for being weird I if anything when you watch all the Friday t- 13th you're going to remember this one whether you liked it or not it's going to stand out because it was different uh, the score sucks I'll give everybody that it sounds like a Casio keyboard made the score um <laughs> got a cool opening. It's just I don't know. I'm not like I'm not this is not high up on my Friday the 13th. I'm only defending it because I'm like there's some value here and there's some they're doing something different. We got to give them credit for taking the concept and try to do something crazy with it. I'll go Aaron. What would you think of Jason going to hell?
2: Well, obviously, I'm looking forward to the podcast series the spring of 2001 so we can talk about Jason X at some point, but this is <laughs> supposed wow. to be a 90s film, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am not like the Friday the 13th guy when it comes to Horror slasher series. Mm-hmm. It's certainly more you and friend of yep. the show, James Oster, Jimmy O, um, among others. Um I'm a I'm very much a Michael Myers guy. Now, with that said, I had not seen all the Friday the 13th until the Shout Factory, Scream Factory box set that came out a couple years ago. Um, and I have since seen all the Fridays in a row. This one I put it fairly low in my ranking, but there's only, like, two Fridays I think are, like, not good movies, like, that I just I, – I don't find much redeeming – enough redeeming in them to record. Like, they all have their mm-hmm. own merits or what have you. This one, I – you know, I put it's, – it's in the bottom tier, but, like, I still like it, and I like it because of the reasons you were just going over. You watch all these movies in a row – and, yeah, it can feel a little samey if you're like, "Stop going to Camp Crystal Lake, guys. I mean, like what <laughs> problem solves um, but this one, it's like, yeah, okay, let's like mess with the mythology. It, like it what you know, regardless of whatever changes or what have you are going on with the formula of the franchise, it never it's never not clear to me that Adam Marcus and the writer, what's the writer's name? I'm sorry. Um, There's a couple of them Dean Laurie Laurie and uh, Laurie's the one that's on the commentary. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going off of. I watched this, I've seen it already, so I watched it with the commentary this time. And they're a fun group. But what gets me is that it's always evident that they are clearly fans of Jason and Theory of 13th. Like that's Mm -hmm. what's clear to me in the filmmaking, in what they're doing with the slasherness of it all, regardless of whether or not Jason's in the movie or if they have a presence of a guy in a hockey mask or whatever mask they want to go with. The spirit of what these movies are trying to accomplish, I think, is very clear in this film. Even while they add extraneous stuff like mythology and what have you, that's, you know, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. I can understand not liking it if you're like, I want to watch a Friday the 13th movie that hues close to the stuff that I expect from that. this is not it. (laughs) This is not the one that's going to get you doing. If you watch five of these in a row, though, yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of a mix up. Uh, which is also why I rank Jason X fairly high, because I think that movie not only plays with the formula, but also is really fun. Um, it's a lot movie, better than this one, yeah. It's also a lot better. I think it just has more creativity to it. I will give you that, though. The kill in that that you're describing is a pretty brutal one That's was not expected with <laughs> this movie. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, the merits are what they are as far as it's a slasher movie that you know plays around with the idea of what we can do with Jason or whatever iteration of Jason we have here, the gore is gory, especially in the R-rated cut. Like, it's satisfying that itch for, like, slasher fans that want a certain thing. Maybe not one that he's specifically close to this franchise, as far as that goes, but as far as, you know, being in the 90s, which we've talked about plenty of times now Mm -hmm. now, a period, you know, early 90s especially, not a period that's full of, you know, chock full of great horror. There's a few hits here or there, Candyman, what have you, but, like, it's not... You know, in the realm in the in the history of horror, you're not going to say the early '90s was one of the peaks uh, by any means. Well,
1: this is a weird funk period for the franchise yeah. stuff because it's all for some reason like let's get to the origins of all these guys, which is not interesting stuff, and it gets weird because Freddy's dead went into this wicked weird origin. Michael Myers would have the curse of Michael Myers. You would have Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, uh, Hellraiser uh, in space, the. Uh, bloodline and all these things explaining shit that didn't need to explain but this is where they went in the 90s all of them it's weird yeah
2: well so yeah uh what else Uh, i i forgot given that i've seen this movie twice now but i forgot that the necronomicon is in this movie so it's time to the universe now (laughs) oh yeah
1: there's a great back and forth between the evil deads and the the Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street series of stealing yeah. stuff on each other's sets and putting them in
2: movies. But here's the thing, though, like, because oh, I was listening to the commentary, Marcus, like, Sam Raimi came to set and brought the actual Necronomicon. Oh, from okay, Army of like, Darkness. Don't lose this. He brought <laughs> it from art from the set of Army of Darkness to them, so they could use it in the movie. Like they, he, like he, he was just there to hang out because he just liked mm-hmm. horror and stuff, obviously. So it was he was just being very generous and like happy to like sit around and you know hang out for a bit and brought the actual book. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I like this movie fine. Um, it, as I said, it, it's bottom tier Friday for me, but still, you know, enjoyable. Um, and as a, you know, as a summer slasher film, yeah, it's going to, you know, deliver what you kind of want out of that sort of thing.
3: Right. Scott. Um, I, you know, obviously it's no secret that I think that the Friday the 13th films are below, say nightmare on Elm street, child's play Halloween, etc., etc. That'd be said as i'm watching rewatching these slowly for one reason or another i apologize
2: <sighs> each of your kids has different favorites that's why
3: <laughs> exactly i think i'm starting to appreciate the later ones more because by default they're you know effing around with the formula
2: it's why i like manhattan more than most people too. yeah, yeah, yeah mean, that's why we,
3: manhattan. we watched manhattan before scream 6 for obvious reasons and it's like this is fun seems to have more money than most of these films have. I like the characters and the entire third act is in New York. I mean, we joke about it, but yeah, it's mostly in the sewer, but you know, he does eventually show up in Manhattan for a good 30 minutes. I mean, I'm sure yeah, the
2: ratio like, of a lot of movies that have titles saying that the thing's going to happen yeah. actually happen till later in the, the movie. The Bride yeah. of Frankenstein. Yeah, i have oh sure God. It's five a, minutes. I, I'm fairly <laughs> certain that's
3: a very high ratio as far as yeah, the yeah. thing that's said. I mean, happens. I think Jason took Manhattan more than Medea went to jail. How about that? <laughs> 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 it's been a while since I saw Medea goes to jail, but same thing that she only spends a certain amount of time in jail. You know, and you know, yada yada yada. But and yeah, I, I again this is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's knowing it's still that, a more I was,
2: accurate title than my boyfriend's back.
3: <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed the idea of you know, as you guys correctly said, what if Jason but Terminator are the hidden? Mm-hmm. Which this was very much in that wheelhouse and and, and in or not, and who cares? It's it's fine. Um I you know I enjoyed the big chase scene in the police station with, with I think Stephen Culp running around killing people. Mm-hmm. Um oh, and
1: the guy from John LeMay, who's who was part he was a cast member of Friday the 13th, the series, the TV show for the first two oh, that's seasons. Right. Uh they got the glasses. I love when he does the I was like, is that possible when I was a kid? When he jumps his handcuffs because they're behind yeah. him and he like jumps
3: and I was like, Can you do that? <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> and like Leslie Jordan? How did that happen? You're Leslie Jordan's in this movie. <laughs> like, What the fuck? <laughs> Not since uh, Wendell Pierce showed up in the last Twilight movie was I more befuddled. <laughs> um... <laughs> Sorry, that's a very fond memory. You? What the fuck is he doing in this movie? I want the story, damn it. I should have gotten the story. It's been 12, ten years. I should get the story. Um, but anyway, but no, I mean the kills are fine. Obviously, I watched the the R rated cut because I'm a loser. Um, so I, I'm sure I was missing some of the fun. You're no Ben Kingsley, um, that's for sure. I'm sorry. You're no Ben Kingsley. Exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, I mean just as the fact of this one messing around with the formula and doing what if Jason, but this. And I think it's a case to be made that the later, you know, after they basically perfected the formula with Jason lives, they said, okay, let's do other genres, you know? So you know, part seven is basically Carrie and part eight is basically, you know, eighties action thriller, at least the last act. And then this is, you know, Terminator slash hidden and Jason X is obviously Jason goes to space and, because I was never fond of those initial movies, and they're basically like, you know, if ever there's a series where I could just should just go on YouTube and watch a kill count video and get most of my money's worth, you know, it would be those first few Friday the Thirteenth movies. But I think as the franchise goes on, they have no choice but to play around and ex- and see what they can do. And I think by default, I like those later movies more than the initial pictures.
1: Yeah, they, they do uh play I think Adam Marcus, does he like say like part of the reason like he wanted you to really want Jason back in this movie was part of his idea behind this.
3: Yes. Um, and I know he one interesting thing is that, you know, he made a point to have as much male TNA as female TNA mm-hmm. or cheesecake, whatever phrase you want to use. Uh although despite that he did come to conflict with his with an actress over a shower scene she didn't want to do, but I was not but there.
1: Aaron so. Gray was fine with that heart
3: climbing right up in uh <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh well I actually allegedly she was not thrilled about that.
1: No. It's she probably did not... a body double or something. It was
3: a body. Didn't she me. didn't even yeah. know it was gonna happen until she saw the movie. Man. Which I'm sympathetic, but it's a Friday the thirteenth movie. Um yeah. What do you mean <laughs> <think laughs> playing...
2: oh, when he gets killed at the beginning? I just mean in general, as far as he's a, you know, he's a, been adjacent four times or whatever. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, this is
1: uh, this is his third time because um, he played. He started in New Blood and then he played in Manhattan. In this, oh, he's he's. Fun. I love a guy that loves playing these roles because normally back then it was just stunt man who felt like he was slumming it.
3: You know, that... is that why he became popular because he was so out and in front of it with the fan base?
1: Yeah, he. Yeah, he liked playing the role. He added like he thought about it a bit more than a stunt guy. Um, he played it like an actor would um although I don't understand how his, he's always played zombie Jason, and one of his traits is that he breathes really heavy, and
3: I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I, you know, again, you know, I, I, I came to some of the stuff late, some of it not, but like I, you always hear as you, know, Caden Hodder is the definitive Jason. So I figured, oh, he must have been in a bunch of these. It's like, he didn't start till almost the end. What the hell? It,
2: it helps that I think convention culture was catching on around that time mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. he had a chance to be like, yeah, I'll get behind a desk and hang out with fans. Like, I, and he seems to, every interview I see with him, he seems generally excited to talk about this stuff. He's yeah. a,
1: he's a greatest hits interviewer, uh, interviewee. I've, I I've seen a lot of his interviews and and he will uh it's kind of funny because he like he likes talking about these and stuff so he will steer anything back to the same stories he always tells about them
2: yeah I get it they're good, they're good stories but I understand yeah if you've heard it you heard it at that yeah. right? point
1: because I I once I, I colleague was interviewing him and came to me because she didn't know know his movies or anything and wanted you know some more unique questions than just the basic stuff that she could come with, and I I gave her some, and he would, every time he got them, he kind of steered them to a different area, like without really answering. Um, but, yeah, there is that Fangoria Weekend of Horrors culture that is starting here, which isn't quite like the con stuff now, but it was like a, it was definitely more a getaway thing, and he was definitely showing up for that, and yeah, he played Jason more than anybody else, so it, and it would credit him and Kane Hodder as Jason. And then when you see multiple movies and you see that guy, you're like, oh, crap. That's him.
2: Uh, By the time you get to Jason X, he's got like more. He gets a bigger salary. He gets a trailer. Like he gets like, mm-hmm. you know, the royal treatment as far as this kind of thing goes. But then once Freddie Brace Jason, he's not tall enough or whatever. That was their excuse.
1: Uh, yeah. Ronnie, you didn't care. Like that was, it was a thing. Like you didn't give a shit. You wanted, wanted someone to...
2: that was more. That was bigger. Right. That was taller. Yeah,
1: taller. Yeah, it was a height thing. Because
2: um, Robert Englund's not short. So. Yeah,
1: and then Ken, <laughs> Ken Kersinger played him, who was who did some stand-in stuff for Kane Hodder in Manhattan. And he Back. also played uh, the guy behind the counter at the diner that gets thrown into it or something like that. But yeah, so he told them, oh, I played Jason. And Kane Hodder got pissed because he's like, you stood in for me for a reshoot. Like, that was... <laughs> <laughs> so." Uh the sauna. Must be Hill. a fun Bowling yeah. League.
2: The Jasons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Jasons. But yeah, I met Kane Hunter at a convention one time and he was mess. I was I was trying to take my picture. I was trying to take my sister's picture with some other celebrity, and he was like dicking with my arm. And I was like, Okay, hey, you owe me a picture for that. And he didn't even strangle me in it. So that's what he normally does. He strangles you in the picture. But uh yeah, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> I-, I did notice one thing that's like Pop culture moment here for like '90s that's not existed anymore is the uh, hard copy Inside Edition era. Yes, of like tell okay. like that was very much plays a part into this. Um Jason's known like nationwide, like of uh, you know his exploits, and then like the the whole yeah, because this was the thing. Like there would be these. This is where Bill O'Reilly kind of got his fame going up. Yes, right? was he was on one of these stupid shows that was like. It wasn't quite unsolved mysteries, but it was like other thing, you know, these like news which is what Fox News becomes, right? Like is basically what takes the baton from this shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um but yeah, the sort of like Jason being well known, and there's a the diner that makes the hockey mask uh, burgers and stuff and have the kind of goofy people working there. So this movie's got like some fun to it too, with its care that doesn't take all its characters too seriously. And the mythology stuff is so goofy, you can't help but think they thought it was silly too. So,
2: and then of course, there's the tease at the end,
1: yes. But the uh, Kane Hodder, this is where <laughs> Kane Hodder's like, I played Freddy Krueger because it's his hand that
0: comes <laughs> up. And
1: down. So, um, yeah, that's the setup for the, the battle of the century that would see in 10 years, 10 years later, um, would come,
2: but well, that's. I, I forgot I, I probably do that and forgot it but okay so Kane Hodder's played Jason and Freddy and obviously Ben Affleck has played Batman and Superman. So like these guys <laughs> they're the top <laughs> when it comes to this.
1: It's how it's how they roll, that's how they roll. Um so how how did our movies this week fare at the box office, Scott? That's uh move on over to that.
3: Mm, do, 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 do. The Fugitive was number 1 yet again, dropping just 6%. Uh, which even back then was insane. insane yeah uh, I did 22.4 million dollars to bring its 10day total up to 60 million dollars by the way that was basically double its production budget just domestic alone uh Friday uh, Jason goes to hell the final Friday opened in number two with 7.5 million dollars and 1355 screens which is basically half the screens that the fugitive was playing on which oh. again, No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I completely forgot. Pause.
2: The poster for this movie Mm -hmm. for for Friday. So I, because I had not seen these movies until like just recently, as I said. But when I was young, uh, we had a mom and pop video store before we started going to Blockbuster. And the poster that gave me the, it was a mix of, I think I'm scared of this. And also what the fuck (laughs) is going on was the Jason goes to hell poster. Oh, yeah. flames silver mask and like whatever the fuck is crawling out of the eye socket was Well, like, the
1: video what? store had the big cardboard thing for like it yeah. had a big standee for that post yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And so i was always like intri- in, like heavily intrigued by this thing that i was never gonna see at that time because i'm just i'm seven like yeah. so it's like, like like what is this all about like i don't know this free a franchise at all i just know that there's this image of a hockey mask of like Some kind of monster thing happening. And so, like, that always gave me, like, the... Again, it wasn't like... I wasn't, like, terrified of it. But it was certainly, like this is very striking <laughs> this is very much pause yeah. as far as what to expect from the horror section of my local movie store uh so like that that's honestly something that stuck in my mind so it was a trip when i finally actually watched jason goes to hell uh would be like see like what's going on and there's like nothing of that level of like no. what my mind was projecting on me as far as this poster game. there is the
1: eating of the heart at the beginning which is like yeah Whoa. there's like
2: it's some gnarly stuff but yeah. like you know, you see that poster and I'm like, what like I my mind went to like Hellraiser 2 and it's like, ah, it's just Jason. But still yeah. it's pretty nice. <laughs> Right? Um
3: sorry. Box. No, on. no, it's okay. That's that's <laughs> Tell us about um, Jason's financial. Yeah, it would it's basically right in the middle in terms of opening weekends for the picture. For, for that franchise so it's it was it did open it did pull about 16 million domestic which is a little bit more than uh Jason takes Manhattan but it was still pretty low even for this series mm-hmm. um let me see how low was it the lowest no it was mm-hmm. it was well eventually it was behind it was only ahead of uh, Jason X and Jason takes Manhattan so they kind of they go up well, they peaked with the first one. Who are we kidding? I mean, no, none of the sequels other than the remake and the team up did as well as the first film theatrically back in even 1980. Yeah, but know, the they first did one did quite,
1: yeah, they did quite well through five, basically. I mean there there was yes, like a, was and the biggest opening,
3: opening weekend, of... weekend was part four with eleven million dollars in nineteen eighty-four. And then and they pre- yeah. probably cost less than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, and then they you know, after four. One, two, three, four earned between 30 and 40 million. Yeah. And then five onward was over under, you know, between 13 and 21, 22. But when you say so Final Friday, Friday was,
2: the first time, you're like, wait,
3: we're still doing yeah. this. Right. <laughs> what, the, what, the, what? What? Well, you've already had a final chapter. So.
2: And the New
1: Beginning actually came out within like less than a year than the yes. final chapter, That's which is insane.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, <I> couldn't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't wait to walk back that finale. Mm -hmm. Um, Third place, Rising Sun, uh, dropped thirty-two percent in weekend three for a six million dollar weekend and a forty-one million dollar seventeen day total. Uh The Secret Garden would open with four point six million dollars in thirteen hundred theaters. It would eventually leg out to around thirty-one million domestic and approximately forty million worldwide. Wow, which is more than good enough. In the Line of Fire was in fifth place with $4.4 million, dropping just 23% in Weekend 6 for an $84 million total. Hearts and Souls would open $4.3 million uh, in 1,275 theaters. It would eventually leg out to just $16.5 million in a $25 million budget. Uh, I cannot speak for video sales, but it wasn't really, it was not an it. Um, and then in seventh place, Jurassic Park, still sticking around. Um, $4.3 mind dropping by 16% at $299.6 million after 10 weekends. So it'll cross $300 million sometime between now and the next show. Um, Free Willy would drop just 26% in Weekend 5, earning $4 million for a $53 million total. And The Firm in Weekend 7 would earn $3.4 million, dropping 27% for $139 million total. And in 10th place, Robin Hood, Men and Dites, dropping 26%. So really strong legs all around, by the way. I mean, yeah. the biggest drop in the top 10 is uh, Rising Sun, which dropped 32%. Because, you know, The Fugitive was huge and the openers were not. And Friday, you a know, Friday the 13th movie doesn't necessarily play to people – except for people that want to go to see a Friday the 13th movie, especially part nine. Um, So it's not like, oh no, the fugitive is sold out. Let's go see Jason goes to hell. (laughs) Or even better. (laughs) Shit. The secret garden is sold out. Let's go see Jason goes to hell. (laughs) Or one, one more shit. Jason goes to hell is sold out. Let's go see the secret garden. (laughs) I'll stop now. We but you know what best. nobody was saying
1: it was sophomore Nobody year. was saying
3: no go ahead go ahead it's
1: like it was sophomore year of high school and your dad and i were going on a date to see jason goes to hell but it was sold out so we saw the secret garden
3: but you know what they didn't see it was hocus pocus yep. which was in 11th place earned 1.1 $1. 1 million dollars dropping 41 percent biggest drop in the top 11 and the biggest drop period twist the knife uh, Yeah, always, for a whopping, not whopping, $32 million end-of-five weekend total. Searching for Bobby Fischer would open in 219 theaters. It would earn $1.1 million, and it would eventually leg out to $7.3 million, which, fine. Yeah, it's a $12 million picture, but throw in overseas and video, and it it did fine.
2: And that's the end. Raging summer releases, Searching for Bobby Fischer.
1: Party movie, everybody. Rising
2: Sun sold out. Let's go see Searching for Bobby Fisher.
1: It's not playing in our city.
3: (laughs) I guess we'll we'll see. Jason goes to hell.
1: (laughs) Hearts and and Souls is sold out. Hearts and Souls sold out. Well, Jurassic (laughs) Jurassic Park again.
2: (laughs) I mean, that probably was that probably did happen. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. For that one theater that sold out at Hearts and Souls.
3: and that's a wrap on this one
1: all right well that'll do it for this uh weekend that was august 13 through 15 of 1993 scott and aaron this is it awesome we got three more left um as we also enjoy why you can before we sign out let's let people know where they keep up
2: with you aaron Uh, You can find everything I do at my personal blog, thecozy.com. All my reviews end up over there, but I write written movie reviews for We Live Entertainment. I write uh, Criterion and Blu-ray reviews over on Wise to Blue. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. I host a podcast with my friend Abe called Out Now with Aaron and Abe. That is available everywhere everywhere you can find podcasts. We talk about weekly movie releases, and we've been doing commentary tracks every month of the summer as well, uh, going over various superhero movies. So uh, lots of fun. Man,
1: Blade was fun to record. Well, we, had we had such a good time.
2: It was great when we stopped recording and just danced to the theme and the rave uh, music. It was good.
1: It was it was good, and I dumped the blood
2: all over my face. It was good. It was yeah, good. and your kid walked in like, "What are you
1: doing?" I was like, "It's Blade." Oh, <laughs> so yeah, Scott.
3: Where do people find you? Uh, I'm at therap.com, and I can be on found on Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson.
1: All right, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon for KUHD. Written work. Why so blue? Uh, next week I am very This is one that When we were playing this I was like I'm excited for this episode uh, So I'm very excited uh, Next week A mystery in Manhattan Leads us to Target The king of the surf ninjas All that and more <laughs> As the summer of 93 at 30 Continues
2: <laughs>
1: It's the summer of 93 At 30
0: Thank you for listening All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. The Summer of and News Themes by Press Maxon. Additional information on this and other episodes at TheBrandonPetersShow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at TheBrandonPetersShow.com. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.